God's perspective on the pain and suffering we so often face, next on Abounding Grace. People die. Bad things happen to good people. Bad people experience good things. Bad people experience bad things. Good people experience good things. Good people experience bad things. Humans get cancer. Humans experience job loss and physical pain and untimely deaths. Friends, bad things are going to happen in this life that are not always easy to explain this side of eternity. That's the reality. But the good news that's revealed to us in the scriptures is that the problem of pain and suffering is matched with God's perspective. When you have God's perspective, it eases the pain just a bit. This is amazing grace. When we encounter pain and suffering, we often lack the right perspective, but that's often the time we need it the most. You'll want to keep listening to Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor shares God's perspective on the pain and suffering of life. If you're not in a storm right now, you can be sure one is on the horizon. They happen to us all, but will they make you bitter or better? Think about that with us now. Before we go to John chapter 9, Pastor Ed pays a quick visit to Luke. Notice verse 1 of chapter 13 in Luke's gospel. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So so Pilate murdered some Galileans, took their blood, and defiled the sacrifices. They didn't deserve to die. They didn't do anything wrong. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. No. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or how about the next one he shares in verse 4? How about those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelled in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. You see, Jesus even takes the tragedies. I mean, can you imagine the horrific tragedy of just being out one day and a tower that hasn't fallen every other day decides that day falls on 18 people and kills them unnecessarily, untimely? And they they look at him and you know what Jesus says? They're not any worse sinners than anyone else. Tragedy happens to everyone. To everyone. Sinful people will do sinful things always resulting in pain. People die. Tragedies occur. Hard things happen in our lives. It's not fair. It's not right. It hurts. It's wrong. And I I need you to know that. For some, just the ability for me to express to you that some of you are going through things that are just wrong. Not fair. Not what you expected. Although you're not perfect You also didn't bring this upon yourself. It's not right. And just to know that, you know, sometimes you go to people for counsel and they they won't even acknowledge, man, this is wrong. 
I just want to acknowledge for some of you, it's wrong. It's not right. It's unfair. And know this, we won't experience true righteousness until King Jesus rules and reigns on the earth, where you have a heart for him to return. And I have to say this, though. There are times, there are definitely times when a person experiences tragedy and pain because of their own stupid, sinful mistakes. That's true. I mean, for example, if you're out on a Friday night or out on a Saturday night and you're just going to have a couple drinks, you're going to have a party, but a couple drinks turn into three drinks and then you start smoking pot, then you do some cocaine and you're all messed up and you go, yo, I'm feeling bad, I think I want to go home. And, And as you're driving home drunk, you crash into a light pole and die, that's your fault. That's your fault. You sin. That, that is directly related to your own personal sin. But it gets worse, doesn't it? Same scenario, same situation. You don't crash into a pole. Instead, you crash into that minivan. And there's mom and dad, three kids in the back. They all die, and the drunk driver walks away, unharmed, seemingly. And that family, that family suffered at your sin, the price of your sinful mistake. And friend, it'll be something that you suffer as well. Sometimes sin's consequences are our own sin. It's no justice in that. Incredibly unfair and and so wrong. But this is the reality. People die. Bad things happen to good people. Bad people experience good things, bad people experience bad things. Good people experience good things, good people experience bad things. Humans get cancer. Humans experience job loss and physical pain and untimely deaths. Friends, bad things are going to happen in this life that are not always easy to explain this side of eternity. That's the reality. But the good news that's revealed to us in the scriptures is that the problem of pain and suffering is matched with God's perspective. When you have God's perspective, it eases the pain just a bit. For example, for a believer, for those of you that have a faith in Jesus Christ, those of you that are born again, the moment that you die, you'll be in heaven no matter what. That's the good news. That when death comes knocking at our doors, those that have faith in Jesus Christ will live forever with Jesus in eternity. The Bible says this, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness, Psalm 17, verse 15 says. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. The last breath on earth will lead to your first breath in heaven. And secondly, the good news for the believer, the right perspective on trials and problems and pain and suffering in our lives. Secondly, not only are you promised eternity, but trials and tragedies work for us, not against us. They are tools in the hand of God working for us. Now, those of you that aren't connected with God right now, you've never repented of your sins, you've never accepted God into your life, you've never admitted that you've sinned, you don't even want to talk about sin, you have no purpose in your trials. You don't see anything. You just, all all you see is pain and suffering, and you might even conclude like Ted Turner, you know, Christianity is just for losers. No, no, you would be wrong. You're on the path of bitterness. 
Because for the believer, trials and tragedies work for us, not against us. I I love how Paul put it in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He said, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. The problem of pain and suffering is matched by perspective. The problem of pain and suffering is also matched by the love of God. The love of God dwelling in in us. There is a sense of me where I say, I don't understand quite how people apart from God can handle the tragedies in life. Except that when I think about that, I actually do have a little bit of understanding because I remember how I chose apart from God to handle the tragedy in my life. I just basically was drunk all the time. That way I didn't have to feel it. And then in that, in that path of my life, uh, because of that particular sin, I would just lot more tragedy upon my life, and it would get worse, and it would get worse, and it would get worse, even to the point of living hopelessly. But in Jesus Christ, there is hope even in the midst of dire, horrible things. There's not only the hope of heaven, but there's the hope of God using all things and working all things together for the good. Let me show you. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. You see, the problem of pain and suffering is matched by the right perspective, a godly perspective. The, pain of, the problem of pain and suffering is matched by the reality of God using things. They work for us, not against us. The love of God in us. And notice verse 16. And by the way, verse 16 follows verse 12. So just notice what Paul's experiencing. He says, death is working in us. This brother faced death multiple times because death is a reality. But in his life, death is working in us. This was his life. So from that perspective, he says in verse 16, therefore we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Can I get an amen to that, by the way? Did you wake up to some weird noises today? Did you hear anything weird in the house? It was you and your hip and your knees and everything about you. Why? Because the outward man is perishing. And, and some of you younger people go, oh, my, I didn't hear any noises. Just give it some time, man. Your body's going to be all messed up too. Don't worry about it. Trust me. This is what the Bible says. You don't need the snap, crackle, pop in your house. You're, this is happening. So the outward man is perishing, but notice... Every time you feel something and you some pain or, you know, you're not as fast as you used to be or your mind's not, just remember this. The inward man is being renewed day by day. God is working on the inside. Yes, the outward man is perishing. Why? Because death comes to us all. But the inward man is being prepared for heaven, being prepared for the presence of God, renewed day by day. And then notice what he says. Even this brother that faced death in the eye, he calls it in verse 17, a light affliction which is but for a moment. And then you might want to mark these words. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, notice, is working for us. Trials work for the believer, not against. And working for us, what? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. How does Paul go from verse 12, facing death, 
to here in verses 16, 17, and 18, these light afflictions, I have an eternal hope. Well, notice verse 13. But since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. You see, the problem of pain and sorrow and tragedy is also met by the triumph of Jesus Christ. Jesus has triumphed over sin and death. There is a promise of being raised up. And and so what is happening on this temporary light affliction that only things that are seen, what's happening? Well, God is working for us, not against us. He's using the trials for us. One of the eternal things to look for in the midst of tragedy is how God is working all things together for the good. What are you going to do with this one, God? How are you going to use me? How will my testimony, how will your testimony in me give you the glory at the end of the day? And today we're reminded of God's commitment to us, his promise according to Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is that he is working together all things that come into our lives for the good for an intended good to conform us verse 29 into the image of Jesus Christ trials listen trials and tribulations and tragedies don't destroy us but they are intended tools of God in God's hands to destroy our flesh to kill it to crucify it And nothing, absolutely nothing is wasted by God in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's good. It doesn't mean that God is working everything together for the good for your comfort or for my ease or to establish my continual happiness. But all things are working together for the good. And that's the promise of Jesus aimed at our heart today. Many times we'll refer to tragedies in our lives as storms. Have you ever heard being referred to as a storm? I know I've mentioned that before. Storms, kind of like Wednesday night. Were you guys here on Wednesday night? Crazy hail storm. I mean, it was coming down so hard. We're like, what the hell's going on up there? (laughs) We canceled, we delayed service 20 minutes on Wednesday. It was coming down so loud in here. We just broke up into prayer groups and started praying for the police and everybody had to be out in the middle of it because it was coming down like it was the loudest in 16 years together and all the years we've been in never heard it that loud, never had to delay a service for weather before, but we did on Wednesday. And even after we started again, another storm came through, but that one just seemed to go through very quickly. One stayed for a while and one came through very quickly. It was interesting because I was watching the news last night, just kind of listening to the weather woman and she was sharing about new storms coming in and one of the encouragements that she shared is that, okay, these are just coming through. They're not going to stick around. And isn't that the kind of encouragement you want with your storm in life? Isn't that, that, hey man, it's not going to stick around. It's just coming through. And for the believer, that's a true statement. It's not going to stick around. One day you will be in heaven. One day you will be delivered. One day it will end. It will. You have the hope of heaven. But using this illustration of storms, it's not a new illustration that a pastor made up. Jesus himself used this illustration of storms. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Let me show you as we wind down our time together today. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7 that the foundations of our lives are revealed through the storms of life. In a very real way, we find out where we're at, what the strength of our faith is at the time, by storms. He uses a contrast. He has two people there that are building a house. Really, it's not the physical house that matters, but the spiritual life. You could say that these are two people that have decided to build their lives. And the question is, 
as you have decided to build your life, which person are you? Because the houses that are built here at the end of Matthew Matthew chapter 7, you can turn over to verse 24, I'm sure they look the same. I'm sure that if you came up on them, they had the same appearance. They used the same materials. The only difference was you didn't know what they were built on. I mean, it would be like, it would be like here in the mar- housing market, the way it is right now in Denver, where you put in offers and they're just backed up four or five offers. And you saw both of these houses and the guy that, that was built on the sand, he says, I'll sell you my house. And you go, I'll take it. I'll take it. Man, I can't get a house anywhere else. I'll take it. Yeah, but you know the foundation. Well, I'll just do a little inspection. If there's no cracks, I'm cool. Okay. Okay, but listen. When it comes to that in your spiritual life, it's the same with believers. And you could look at two believers. They could be wearing the same clothes, attending the same church. But we don't really know what they're made up of until the storm hits their life. Then we find out where their foundation is. Then we find out what they're made of. We find out the work that God wants to do in their lives through the storms. He uses very graphic language here. Notice with me verse 24 of Matthew 7. Very graphic. Some of you can relate directly to this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. We've had that. The floods came. We've had that recently again this year. The winds blew, yes, and beat on that house. This is no small storm. And the man that was built His house on the rock, notice, it didn't fall for what? It was founded on the rock. We know later on in the New Testament, the rock is none other than Jesus Christ. And the way to build your house on the rock is to hear what Jesus says and does it and do it. The person that builds his house on the rock is that he hears Jesus and he does it. That's how she lives her life. Now everyone, verse 26, who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Same storms, same type of house, different foundation. Notice, it fell. And mark those final words, great was its fall. You know why? Because I think it was a surprise to the person. Because you go through all the effort of building the house, you go through all the effort of putting everything together, you go through all the effort, but you're really not connected to Jesus Christ. It's, it's almost like the same people that are going to meet Jesus in eternity, and he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Yeah, but we did all these things for you. We did everything in your name. And Jesus said, yeah, but you, you and I, we were never connected. Never, you, you never bowed the knee to me. You never repented of your sins. So as we close, let me give it to you four types of storms. They're not only four, but four types of common storms or trials or tragedies that come into our life. Number one, we face corrective storms, corrective suffering. This is the idea that God will allow or send some pain into our lives, drawing our attention directly to him. C.S. Lewis put it this way, and I quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. The megaphone of pain. So many times this is what serious sickness will do. A doctor's diagnosis, a wayward child, a death in the family. Many have come to the Lord because of an unexpected illness, because of a tragedy, because of a death of a loved one. God can also use sickness and tragedy to correct his wayward children, to get their attention back on him. That's exactly what happened with the prodigal son. Why was it? What was the catalyst? Those of you Bible students, what was the catalyst that started him pointing back home? Do you remember? It was a famine. It was a famine in the land. He ran out of his money. Had to find a job, 
the famine in the land. He started working with pigs and it was there. He's like, man, I, I'd be better off as a servant with my dad than here. And he got his, through a famine, got his attention back home. Psalm 119, verse 67. Some of you are living this verse. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. That's the work of God in your life. Sometimes this corrective storm is what the Bible describes as a chastening, or we might use the word today, discipline, where God will allow a storm in your life to bring discipline into your life, to bring your focus back on him. You know, I don't discipline other people's kids. (laughs) I discipline my kids, but I don't discipline your kids. You know, neither does God. He only disciplines his kids. So you know when discipline is happening in your life spiritually, it's from a loving father who wants to get you back on track. Secondly, we also experience protective storms or protective suffering. Sometimes we're involved in something that changes the course of our life in a protective way from something even worse. Many times we don't even know. Sometimes God reveals it to us, but many times we don't even know. These types of storms, they change the direction of our lives. They change where we live. They change where we work. They change where we play. They change the direction of, we go in a different direction and come to find out, wow, God was protecting me. It was a difficult season, but he was, the difficult season was protecting me from something even more difficult. I avoided it altogether because God allowed that. Thirdly, there are constructive storms or constructive suffering. These are times when God is trying to do a work in your life to produce a desired result. Perhaps the thing you're facing right now is taking you in the direction of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. The thing that you're experiencing right now, you you are praying like you've never prayed before. Why? A, A constructive storm has come your way and has built in you a desire to cry out to God. I mean, some of you really are just coming to terms with things that happened to you when you were a kid. The divorce that happened in your home. The atrocity that was perpetrated upon you as a child. The foster care system that you grew up in. The kind of things that you faced. The kind of difficulties. Being abandoned by a mom or a dad is no small thing. And it's just now in this season of your life that you're beginning to deal with it. You're beginning to feel the weight of it. And beginning to what? Obey the word where it says casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You're not a wasted person. And neither will the difficulties in your life be wasted but used for his glory. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to turn things around in your heart. He wants to prepare us for something he's even going to do in the future. Sometimes we don't even realize we're in training. God's allowing us to go through certain things in life, and, you know, we go through a trial and everything. I don't want to be in training. Just give me a CD. Can I just listen to a CD? Just just send me an MP3, God. And I, I think of Paul. Of all the things this brother went through, there was one time in the Bible where it's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where my brother yelled out to the Lord. He cried out. One of those probably all night, I don't feel like God's even hearing me kind of cry. You got to take this away, God. You got to take it away. Please, God, take it away. And you know the answer. It was described, this is a brother that faced death, but when it's described as this thorn in the flesh, the the idea in the original language is like a tent stake stuck in the side of his body. When he cried out three times, God's answer to him, and I'll paraphrase this, I'll paraphrase it for you, is I'm not removing it, Paul, but I will give you more of myself. You're going to learn in your weakness just how strong I can be. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through the Gospel of John right now, and you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And we're also on OnePlace.com and have a podcast, too. We all have stubborn habits in our lives. Maybe it's a tendency to worry, drink alcohol, lust, or curse. And perhaps you're finding it very difficult to break. Well, we've got a helpful book to share with you from Erwin Lutzer called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. As the name of the title would suggest, this book will help you shake that nasty habit. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for How to Break a Stubborn Habit. Our number is 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call us at 877-30-GRACE. Well, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of John. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.